you knock for the dinner table. George, yes. Who are you? That was a that was a little vodka clink. It was. Where have we been? What's Benidorm. Been <laughs> <laughs> right before we get into that. Yeah. Welcome back and welcome new listeners to the realm of sugar balls, high strangeness, and a thankfulness to the North gods. Thanks, Thanks Odin. Odin. We are a podcast that covers all things that we find strange and interesting, weird and wonderful. We go from mythical legend to crazy conspiracies, from hauntings and ghost stories to aliens and cryptids. I am David. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to Not For The Dinner Table. We need to (laughs) apologise. Sorry. (laughs) We were doing... So well. We promised to be so much better, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and then it all went oh, a bit haywire. We've had a really busy May. I mean, I feel like my whole life is busy at the moment. Busy May. But we've just been talking about it, haven't we? Saying that actually it feels like that because before COVID, our lives were actually quite busy. Yeah. And then we had a two-year break of doing nothing and now I feel quite anxious about how busy I am again Mm. it's worrying (laughs) concerning concerning concerned terrifying (laughs) 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 yeah we've been busy busy bitches yeah we went to Benidorm didn't we well we did we had a little weekend away didn't we we did super fun yeah supposed to be going to Ireland Accidentally, but yeah. Benidorm meant to go to Ireland to get steeped in the ancient yeah. myth and legend yeah. and folklore of the Emerald <laughs> Isle. Accidentally ended up in Booking Benny Stag and Hen Central, <laughs> aka Benidorm, and it was glorious. It was the best mm. mini break I have ever had, ever. So good. It was great. Yeah. If you've not been to Benidorm, we thoroughly recommend it. If you've not been to Benidorm, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Get to Old Town. Get to get to Bar Sixty Nine. Yeah. Get to Dee Dee's. Tell Nuno we sent you. Tell Nuno we sent you. Get a free cocktail. Yeah. No, you probably won't, but you <laughs> might. Get a free shot for Defo. For sure. Yeah. The amount of free shots we got was unbelievable. A lot. It was a lot. And a hello to all of our Benny friends that may be listening to the podcast. They won't. No, they won't. If you are. So nice. So nice. So nice to all. All called Dave or Paul. Yeah, literally all of them. (laughs) Everyone in Benidorm is called Paul or Dave. (laughs) That's it. Even the ladies. Even the ladies. I had to change my name. That's it. Pauline, (laughs) Davina, Paul, and Dave. The four names you get in. Yeah. It was great. Then we had Eurovision. Oh, and wasn't that a night? Didn't we have fun? <sighs> Best Eurovision of my life, that Ever. was. And I, and I lived through Katrina and the Waves winning. I know. But we almost won. We came second. And that is a sentence I never thought I would say. Ever. The UK came second in the Eurovision Song Contest. It was so good. Well done, Sam. Well you done, did us Sam. proud. 
Oh, sensational. And well done to the Ukraine. Well done, Ukraine. And well done to Spain. Yeah, and well done to Spain. They were sensational. Chanel. Chanel! (laughs) So good. So good. Folks, if you're not into Eurovision and you want to know what Eurovision is about, Google Chanel's performance in the Eurovision final on YouTube. Get it in YouTube. Watch it. Jesus wept. Yeah. It was great. Everything it needed to be. Yeah. Assless chaps. Bolero jacket. Assless chaps. There was ass all over that stage. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah, it was. It was lots of fun. But we've just been busy. Yeah, been very busy. So we're going to try and get back on sketch. Yeah, we're trying, but we've just been through the diary and we're both fully booked. (laughs) Yeah, until like... September. Yeah. So listeners, but we're, gonna, we're try. gonna try and be as consistent as yeah. we can. But this is a message to say that, you know, if we're not around consistently every two weeks, we apologize. Yeah. Um, we will try as much as we can. It's yeah. not that we don't want to do it, we wanna do it, but we're just really um busy. We've, We've got... both I'm gonna be away for two weeks <laughs> yeah. in July, you're gonna be away for two weeks in yeah. July. So we're gonna we're gonna try. We're going we're gonna to give it our best shot. Yes, exactly. Always trying hard. We can only do what we can do. Could do better. <laughs> Room for improvement. <laughs> C plus. We're a C plus podcast. I have been a C plus for the whole of my life, Dave. <laughs> C plus me. That's me. C plus. Do you know what? I was always a B minus. Were you? I yeah. bet I think you were. I think, I think that's worse than yeah, the C plus. No, it's not. C plus is so mediocre, isn't it? C plus. Ugh. Anything oh, no. above a C plus. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. We digress. Indeed. So just before we move into not for the dinner table news, so yeah. In the last episode, yeah. we asked the question, yeah. who was the last known person yeah. to be hung, drawn and quartered? Oh, yes! And I did a little bit of digging. Well done! You're welcome. We wrote it down. We and did. I do have a little bit of information as to who that may be. Go on. So, um, the last known sentencing in England for someone to be hung, drawn and quartered was in November of 1839. Mm. So 182 years ago. I mean, I don't feel like that's that long ago to be hung, drawn and quartered. No, I don't think really. No. The sentence was passed down in Monmouth. No. Yeah. To the three leaders of the Newport Rising the last large-scale armed protest in Great Britain. Oh, my God. Which I feel like we need to do an episode on. Yeah, we definitely do. John Frost, Zephaniah Williams. Oh, wow. Hell of a name. What's your name? Zephaniah. Zephaniah. (gasps) Mm, Zeph for sure. Zephy. If you're nasty. (laughs) Stop it. Yes. And William Jones. However... So they were sentenced to be hanged, drawn and quartered. But after a nationwide petition to the government, their sentences were commuted to transportation for life. Oh, wow. Do you know what transportation for life is? Off. Get them to Australia. Yeah, ship them off. Mm. See you later. Yeah. Or it wasn't, I don't know if it was definitely Australia, Mm. but it was certainly a colony. 
Oh, brilliant. Probably Australia. I, I mean, I think I'd prefer to go to Australia than, than be hung, drawn and quartered. After the last yeah. episode, absolutely 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Well done. Well done for following that up. We're notoriously <laughs> bad on doing that. I know. Well, I feel like that has given us a few brownie points for just not being yeah. here for, like, over a month. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. We're in Benny. We're in Benidorm. Someone said to me, why don't you take your kit with you to Benidorm and do an episode in Benidorm? And I was like, it's about 700... No, well, it's about £7,000 yeah, worth of kit. Like, no. I ain't taking that on friggin' EasyJet. No. And certainly not bringing it back on bloody Ryanair. Exactly. They were shit. Can you imagine if you I had all this? shit in your pants, oh, you would, wouldn't word. you? Oh, my word, yeah. Which don't... wait for hours for our luggage. Yeah, don't do... Oh. I mean, you know this already, listeners, but don't fly Ryanair. Mm-hmm. Absolute ball ache. Yeah, we do not recommend. Mm-mm. They're not welcome. <laughs> Straight off. End of episode. <laughs> End of. We've right. done the update on Hundred and Quartered. You can We've go told and people brush your teeth we're not. Now, Dave. <laughs> We've told people we ain't going to be around very much. Yeah. Done. Done. Right. Come on. Time for my ablutions. Go home and have your ablutions. <laughs> I need to do my journal. <laughs> Had that every night, bloody Benador. It helps I with my mindfulness. My yeah. You did it in your in your moo on I the bed did. during the day, <laughs> and then you were when we came back. You were like, came back from a night out, and then you were like, oh, I can't write it in my journal because I've already done my journal. Just write it in the next day. I did. Good. And the last night, I tried to write it absolutely off my box. <laughs> what did it the say? The scrawl. <gasps> oh, do you hate that then when you go back and look at your journal and you've got scrawly drunk the writing? Of- journal entries that I have over the last... So, I've, ladies and gentlemen, I've been journaling for probably about four to five years. Yes. The amount of entries I've got that says, I'm so fucking pissed I'm at Sophie's house. <laughs> I don't know why it says that. So many. It's not my fault. Mm, it is. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyway, let's get this episode on the road, girl. Let's do it. Shall we do some news? Yes. Shall we sing our jingle? I would love to. Do we know how to sing it? I (laughs) do. I hope so. I do. (laughs) Do we need the signal? Yeah. No No news, it's good good news, news, but some news might be nice news. Not for the dinner table. News. Brought to you by my mum. <laughs> oh, Jean. Yeah, well she's done. done it. She's done it. So do you want me to go first? Yeah. Right, first bit of news. Did you know you can visit a tattooed 5,000-year-old mummy and even see the wound that killed him? Wow. Mm-hmm. The Geblian Man mm. is part of a huge mummy collection on display at the British Museum in London but his story is quite different from the Egyptian mummies you might be picturing. Hmm. The Geblian man, along with his contemporary Geblian woman, sports the world's oldest known figural tattoos. Cool. Yeah. The Geblian mummies were accidentally preserved by their environment as opposed to the careful preparation later Egyptian mummies underwent. While the burial of the man provided researchers with a wealth of information about his life, recent technological advances helped uncover surprising details about his death. 
Scans revealed preserved tattoos nearly invisible to the naked eye and the mysterious wound in the mummy's back tells the tragic story of an ancient Egyptian murder. Ooh. Although the wound on the man's back has been visible for over a hundred years, the technology allowing experts to study it in depth is relatively new. Researchers used visual imaging devices to conduct a virtual autopsy, peering, 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 peering inside the man's body to analyse bones, internal organs, including his brain, which oh. remained intact. Oh wow! Researchers determined the weapon that stabbed him was most likely a copper blade and they theorised that the attack came from behind with the blade driven into his back, most likely catching him by surprise. <gasps> stabbed in the back! Mm-hmm. Oh. The shoulder blade and ribs beneath the wound also show damage. The Egyptian region where the Gebelian man was discovered was likely at peace when he was killed, making his death. A murder. But I think we need to add that to our list of places yeah. to visit to go and see the Geblian. Yeah. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but I quite like saying Geblian. Okay. And how long is that exhibition on for? Because if it's on until like August, September, we ain't getting there. <laughs> we're not we're not ready. We're not going. Mm-mm. We're not when it going there. <laughs> going there. When it comes back again, maybe. Yeah, I'll just show you. I'll send yeah. you the pictures. Send me pictures. I'll send you the article. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Thanks. That was in ranker.com. Oh, mm. lovely. Yeah. Right. Should I tell you my news? Yeah. In Men's Health, an article was released entitled, This Professor Thinks the Loch Ness Monster Might Actually Have Been a Whale's Penis. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, oh God. <laughs> um, Professor, oh God, don't know what his name is now. Michael Sweet, I think he's called. Hang on, let me just fact check. Fact check. Yes, Mike, Matthew Sweet, sorry. Matthew Sweet says, back in the day, travellers and explorers would draw what they saw. Sweet wrote on social media, this is where many sea monster stories came from, i.e. tentacled and alien-esque appendages emerging from the water, giving belief to something more sinister lurking belief beneath. Belief? Beneath. However, in many cases, it's just that whale's dicks. While making this observation in a tweet that went viral, Sweet also posted a handful of fairly graphic images to corroborate his claim and help readers draw visual parallels between the elongated swan-like neck that's come to be associated with Nessie in our popular culture and some close-up shots of whales' ding-dongs. Have a look at those, Dave. Um, We're not I... putting whales ding dongs on our Instagram. No, we won't put whales ding dongs on the Instagram. <laughs> but they do look a little bit like Nessie, don't they? I do think we should create a t shirt, first piece of NFTDT merch. That... The first piece? We've, we've that... had a few. Oh, yeah, we've had a few. <laughs> but like, 
the first yeah. graphic tee, and yeah. it is the silhouette of Nessie, yeah. like the classic one, and then it just says, whales it's a whale's penis. It's a whale's, whale's ding-dong. Ding dong. It's yeah. not Nessie, it's a whale's ding-dong. It's a whale's ding-dong. Or it's a whale's ding-dong. Yeah, just it's a whale's ding-dong. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. We'll get, we'll get, get Gina to do Gina that. Gina on that. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Get her to do it. Fab. I mean, it could be. Can whales get into no. Loch Ness? No. I, I think Loch Ness is freshwater. But that doesn't matter for whales, does it? Because they don't have gills. Oh, yeah. I don't think they can get in, though. How could they get in? <laughs> I just imagined it like a club for a minute in my brain. <laughs> they're all queuing up. They're just like, they're like, but there's orcas, there's yeah. basking sharks, there's, you know, humpbacks. Yeah. They're no, like, waiting. Oh, sorry, guys. I don't think we're going to get in. We're full to capacity yeah. with Loch Ness monsters and eels. Yeah. And otters. We got otters there? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Oh. Sophie. Yes. <laughs> the lost city of Atlantis has been found. No, it hasn't. And it is hiding in plain sight. No, it isn't. <laughs> So, as we may know, Plato was the first to ever mention the lost city of Atlantis, being one of the most popular tales of all time from our ancient history books. When you say of all time, you have to go, of all time. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Yes, sorry. The most common theory regarding its whereabouts is that... So, I don't think we need to explain... The Lost City of Atlantis. I think if you're listening to this, you know you about know. the Lost City yeah. of Atlantis. So, and if you don't the, know... The short version, it's Look Dank. It Google it. <laughs> it's in Cornwall. It's not in Cornwall. <laughs> no, do you not remember Avalon. that? Avalon. Avalon. No, do you not remember? Did, did that little thing on, they think that Atlantis is uh, just off the coast of Cornwall? Well, that is not what this tells us. All right. <laughs> it's not right. So the most common theory regarding the whereabouts of the city is the fact that it is located somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean or even in the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. Some have even speculated that it's actually located underneath the ice of Antarctica. Ooh. But we finally have new concrete evidence yeah. that showcases the fact that it was actually sunken deep underneath the sands of the Sahara Desert all along. Oh, of course. Pictures... Like an Aquaman. And even videos of this fact have spread all over the internet, all supporting this idea that it is the lost city of Atlantis that we've been attempting to find for so long and that it's been hidden underneath the sand for well over a couple of thousand years. Located underneath the Richat structure, or as it's more commonly known, the Eye of the Sahara, this is by far the closest match that we've gotten to Plato's description of the Lost City of Atlantis. That's cool. And there, there are. We'll post the links to the videos in the show notes, and there are some pictures which are pretty amazing. Let me tr- just. Um, Dave, mm. would you feel like if it is Atlantis that's in the desert, 
Would you feel upset about that? No. Because you would want it to be underwater because we've always been told it is underwater? No. Or do you think it would be okay if it's in the sand? I kind of like that it might have sunk into the sand rather than the ocean. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of So, like, that's the the description of... That's an artist's description. That is what they found in the desert. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. So there. So there. So there. <laughs> and I think we'll save my bit of new other bit of news for the next episode. Oh, how wonderful. So safe. Yes. That's not for the dinner table news. Excellent. What are we talking about? Well, because On today's episode. Because because we've been to Benny, mm. we thought we would talk about Benny. Spanish folklore. Yes. In particular, Benidorm monsters. Myths, legends, etc. etc. Indeed. Et yes. Can't wait. It's exciting. I have no idea who goes first because Mm-mm. it's been so long. Shall I go first? Sure. Okay. So, Dave, remember when we were on holiday? Yeah. And I was totally obsessed with the rock that was in the sea. <laughs> so we could see the rock from our hotel room. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, were you obsessed <laughs> with it. I just loved it. Look at the rock. Mm. Look at it now. Look at it in the look at it in the morning light, Dave. Look at it in the afternoon light, Dave. Look at it in the night light, Dave. It was just my favourite thing. Yes. So couldn't come back from Benny and not have a little investigate. But then it also took my mind to the mountain as we drove into Benidorm. Mm. And for any of our listeners that have been to Benny, if you've been to Benidorm and got eyes you'll have seen the mountain with the little bit of a chunk out of the top of it. Amazing. Yes. It was spectacular. And as we drove along on, on the bus, we were saying there's got to be some myths and legends around that. Yeah, 100%. Well, you're in luck. I am? You are. <laughs> it, it has got myths and legends around it, Dave. Um... Are you sure? Yeah. No, I'm just trying to read my <laughs> It has. It has got myths and legends right it. <laughs> right. The mountain itself is 4,613 foot tall. Wow. And it's the second highest point in, Al- in the Alicante province. Okay. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't think it was that high. That's high. But it's, it's high. The gap itself is known as our portal, the gate to you and me. The mountain is also known as the sleeping giant. From the base of the mountain, it looks as if there's only one peak, but there's actually two. Wow. Yeah. The gap is said to be the source of a name of of a nearby village, called Feinstrat, meaning window. 
and the fishermen used to use the notch to guide them home when they were out at sea, back to the port of Benidorm. I mean, you're linking this to seafaring folklore. <clears throat> it's given me everything. I know. So now we know a little bit about the mountain itself. Let's hear the local legend. <laughs> a very long time ago, in ancient times, there was a peaceful giant named Roldan, who lived near Benidorm. If you were a giant, Dave, you'd want to live in Benidorm, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean... Mm. Yeah. It's got everything you need. Culture, yeah. nightlife, massive, mountains. Massive glasses of sangria. Massive glasses of sangria is the best. <laughs> Although Roldan was very kind and friendly, the locals were terrified of him. Oh. This forced him to live isolated from the town, up on the mountain with his sheep and cows. Oh. One day, Roldan met a woman who showed no fear of his size and appearance. I bet she didn't. Naughty lady! <laughs> you guessed it, Dave. They fell in love. Oh. And got married. Good. She wanted that giant dick. <laughs> <laughs> she did. The woman's parents reluctantly accepted the strange union, but told them they could not live in Benidorm. So off they went and started to live a happy life up the mountain. Aww. One afternoon, Roldan was en route back to the cabin when a strange-looking man stood in his path. No. Uh-oh. The man halted Roldan and told him his wife was gravely ill at home and she would die when the sun set behind the mountains. Only the sun can keep her alive. Oh. Roldan returned home immediately. His wife lay dying. So the giant scooped up his wife into his huge strong arms and headed for the summit. Once there, the sun began, had begun its descent behind the peak and in desperate attempt to prolong his beloved wife's life, he smashed a hole through the mountain to let the sun through. As he flung the huge boulder down the mountain, it landed in the sea just off the coast of Benetton. It's the rock, Dave. What? Unfortunately, the sun carried on with its descent. I love it, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, it's gonna. With its last ray of light, his beautiful, cherished wife's life was extinguished. Oh, no. Roldan, grief-stricken, carried his wife's body down from the summit and laid her body on the rock in Benidorm's harbour as her final resting place. So she's on the rock. So she's now on the rock. He's carried her down the mountain... In, and he's through, waded her, through the water. Waded through the water and he's led her on the rock. Desolate, 
Roldan lay down in the sea, holding his beloved wife, and let the waves wash over him and drowned right by her side. Oh. Yeah. Poor Roldan. Sad, isn't it? Yeah. But that also, like, quite a nice little love story. Yeah. Aww. Also, it sounds like you're trying to say Roldal. Roldal. <laughs> it's nice. Roldan. And I think if you say it in English, it's Roland. <laughs> okay. Rolly. Rolly. Rolly and it's why. Rolly, shouldn't I? <laughs> Rolly in his bed. <laughs> So the legend of Rolly. <laughs> there are other variations on that theme, but mm. that was like the nicest yeah, one that I found. There is another one which is totally unrelated to giants and and love stories, but still quite um, a nice little tale. Tale about the mountain and the rock. During the battle between the Holy Roman Emperor Charlemagne and the Moorish people, a fight broke out at the peak of Purg Campana. That's the mountain. Yeah. This fighting was so fierce and so loud it could be heard in the town of Benidorm. <laughs> a knight of the Holy Roman Emperor was getting an upper hand against a Moorish chieftain at the summit... The knight was called Roldan. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Roldans, I think, around at that time. A lot of Rollies. A lot of Rollies. <clears throat> and his sword was called Darendart. Oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Roldan hefted his mighty sword to strike the chieftain with a deadly blow, but luckily for the chief, he dodged the blow. <clears throat> As the sword hit the mountain, it shook the whole thing with its might and caused a huge chunk to be dislodged and hurled into the sea, where it became the Benidorm Rock. Wow. So in each instance of the tale, yeah. the chunk that's come out of that mountain yeah. is the rock that's yeah. in. That's super cool. It's cool, isn't yeah. it? But, unfortunately... <laughs> Science has debunked that theory mm. because the Benny Rock has nothing to do with El Porto, the gate, as the mountain and the rock are from completely different eras oh. within the region of 64 million years. <laughs> <laughs> so quite definitive there. Yeah. So they're absolutely not related but a lot of myths and legends nice. hark back. Because you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you were seeing those two things. Well, you'd be like, there's a great big hole yeah. in that mountain and, and there's, there's a, a weird great rock, big rock in the sea, in the sea. that looks yeah. slanty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Oh, that I was nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love that there was a little bit of folklore yeah. around that. Because we, we thought that there was. Well, we knew it, Dave. Mm. We knew it. We <laughs> We knew it. Fabulous. Well done, you. Thanks. Just a little tete-a-tete by Benny. Indeed. (laughs) 
Right, safe. I'm going a little bit further afield because I did do a big search on Benidorm yeah. and ghost stories and rah, yeah. rah, rah, rah. The only results that I was getting was that Benidorm's <laughs> going to be a ghost town yeah. because of the pandemic. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, if we're touching on Benidorm and the myths and legends around that, let's look at Spanish folklore in general. Yes! So every country has its fair share of folktales and legends, many of which we have covered on this podcast. And Spain is no exception. This ancient country is a land filled with many traditional Spanish myths and legends and filled to the brim I'm with glad it's filled with Spanish myths and legends. History. <laughs> As opposed to like other Norwegian. European. <laughs> but what I like about this mm. in my research mm. is that there are common yeah, trends I know. When I was across the lot board. Of, yeah. yeah. So... Spanish mythology, Sophie, has mm-hmm. evolved over many thousands of years into what it is today. However, many legends are incredibly old and have withstood the test of time, still being told and celebrated to this day. Many of the legends were created from the different cultures Spain interacted with in the past, combining into unique tales. These stories have been passed down from generation to generation, becoming a solid part of the Spanish culture over time and even venturing into Latin America from when the Spanish conquistadors went over to South America. We're going to start off with some traditional Spanish folk tales and a tale of how Barcelona got its name. Ooh. So one of the more famous stories involves the origin of Barcelona. Collectively, many Spaniards agree that the premise of this story involves the famous Greek hero Hercules or Heracles. Mm. Oh, okay. Because I think he was Heracles in Greek, Hercules in Roman. Right. But for the purpose of this story, we'll call him Hercules. Or the other way around. No, I think oh, Her- he? I think Heracles is Greek. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you're right. we'll be corrected. I think you're absolutely right. Um, so it is said that Hercules journeyed from Greece with a fleet of nine ships on an expedition around the Mediterranean. However. During his journey, the ninth ship of his fleet was lost at sea, vanishing without a trace. The remaining vessels set off on a quest to try and discover the whereabouts of the ship that had mysteriously disappeared. Eventually, after deciding to continue the search on the surrounding coastline, they found the ship which was wrecked at the base of a large hill. The crew of the other ships and Hercules himself found the area to be of great beauty and decided to name it Barca, meaning Mm. boat, and Nona, which stood for ninth, commemorating the the lost ship and its sailors. So, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, which then evolved into Barcelona. Oh, nice. There is no evidence to the legitimacy of this oh. story. <laughs> oh, well. But it's a nice I quite story. like it. I like it. Because there are, like, tales of how our towns and yeah. what have you came to be called their names. Exactly. Magna Minor, we are. 
Little Dean. Oh. What else is? Oh, ancient name. Magna Mima. Magna Mima. Oh. Yeah. So that's like mini lava. Yeah. <gasps> mini Dean. Oh. Yeah. I like Mina. that. So next, Sophie, yes. we are going to the legend of St. George and his princess. Ooh. So this tale involves an individual that we might all be familiar with. Come on. St. George. Yes, I read this, actually, yes. Another famous myth is the legend of St. George, who is known as San Jorge in Spain. San Jorge! It is said that many hundreds of years ago, there lived a dragon in the region of Mont Blanc, who extorted tribute from the villages that surrounded the area. As time went on, the villagers eventually ran out of livestock and trinkets to give the tribute to the dragon, and as a result, it flew into a rage and threatened to destroy all of the villages. The villagers of these small hamlets decided it would be best for them to instead offer a sacrifice. Of course. It's always best. Always best to offer a sacrifice. If in doubt... Is it a princess? Yeah. It's a girl, isn't it? Always. It's a girl. Send one of ladies. Send one of them useless ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do fuck all anyway. Send one of them. So, they used to send a sacrifice at random to the dragon at cert- a certain time of year. So, that it wasn't a random time when they would send it, but yeah. it would be a random sacrifice that so anyone could be selected. That's like that book we read. We've read a book like that haven't we I'll talk about that in a minute you carry on (laughs) this became widely accepted as the norm until one unfortunate occasion when the princess of the land was chosen to be the next sacrifice Mm -hmm. she was well loved by the people and many offered to take her place she however refused I bet and took responsibility for the fate that was bestowed upon her because she's strong Come on. If anyone's getting eaten by this dragon... It's me. (laughs) The princess was sent to the dragon, but before she could be eaten, a gallant knight appeared to fight the monstrous serpent. (gasps) How lovely. Ultimately, as we know, the knight won the battle. From the ground where the dragon's blood was spilled, a single rose bloomed, which the knight, who was St. George, plucked and presented to the princess. The story gave rise to the celebrations that take place every year on the 23rd of April, where uh, Spanish people dance and celebrate in the streets of the cities. It is traditional for the men to present roses to the women that they love on this day. Oh, how lovely. The celebration is widely adored by the public, even to this day, and it has been for hundreds of years. That's lovely. I know. How nice. Uprooted was the book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, she went and lived with a sorcerer, didn't she? Yeah. And then fell in love with him. Yeah. Good, though. Good. That was a good... Naomi... But she was... Naomi... Chosen to be Fochek. sent out, wasn't she? Yeah. What did I think it was a dragon? That's a good book. It is a good book. Naomi Novik. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted that to be like a... Naomi Novik. I wanted that to be like a series that continued. It was very good. Very good. Yeah. 
for Top safety. tip. Top tip. Top tip. Uprooted. Download that book. <laughs> Read it now. Or buy it. Not for the Come dinner on. table. It's sponsored by... <laughs> Naomi Novik. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going from folk tales to monsters now, so... Yay! Firstly, the legend of El Coco. El Coco! Not Coco Montrese. No. Arguably the most infamous mm. of the monster myths in Spain is that of El Coco. The story is synonymous with those of the boogeymen, or bogeymen, not boogeymen. Not boogeymen. <laughs> Boogeyman. <laughs> Disco Wonderland. They're loving it. Um, the story is synonymous with those of the bogeymen mm-hmm. that we find in other cultures and regions. Yeah. The exploits and tales of this monster are often told to naughty and misbehaving children. It is said that El Coco would kidnap or eat children that were troublemakers and disobeyed their parents' wishes. I mean, that's terrifying to be told that, isn't it, when you're a baby? Yeah. When you're a little one. If you're not good, El Coco will come (laughs) and snatch you and eat you. (laughs) Spanish people would often say that El Coco would stalk the city streets in the twilight hours of night with a large blackened bag looking for his next victims. Many agree that the story was actually given rise by a man known as Francesco Ortega, who lived a few centuries back. This man was convinced to drink the blood of children after a folk healer told him it would cure him of his tuberculosis. Oh my God. And so he would go around kidnapping children no. with a sack. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. We move from El Coco yeah. to El Duende. <gasps> so, El Duende are known to look like little imp beings. Mm. So think... Gnomes, pixies, goblins, hobgoblins, those sorts of things. Some believe that they are souls of infants who died before they could be baptised. It's it's a Catholic country, isn't it? Yeah. But many believe that they are mischievous and malevolent spirits that infiltrate the homes of people and revel in wreaking havoc and chaos. Oh. However... There are many Spanish and Central American people who believe that they are also capable of spontaneous and random acts of kindness, such as leading lost hikers or children to safety. Many people believe to this day that duendes actually exist and excel at hiding from the general population. Oh, brilliant. And I even managed to find an actual tale of an encounter, not in Spain, but in America... This came from Reddit user OKCryptographer5018. And it goes like this. My wife and I, both college-educated professionals, so, you know, Mm. they know what they're talking about. Of course they do. We don't know what they're educated in college, but they're educated professionals. they're educated professionals. Other than this, one time that I'm about to describe, we've never experienced anything that would qualify as paranormal. (gasps) We've never seen Paranormal ghosts. Paranormal virgin. You have... <laughs> Second t-shirt. <laughs> yes. So Paranormal we've got, virgin. We've got Nessie. It's yeah, just whale. It's just whale ding dong. Ding dong. Yeah. And Paranormal virgins. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Gina, get to it. It done. Get it done. So they've never seen ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, anything like that. 
The reason why he was posting this story is because he was genuinely looking for information about what he saw. Oh. At the time, so I'm reading it as if he is telling okay. the story now. At the time, about 12 years ago... I'm pretending that you're an educated college man. We lived in northeastern Arizona mm. in southern Apache country. Mm. Close to the Navajo Nation, we had no kids at the time and would typically go out to dinner after work on Friday nights. We would drive about an hour to a neighbouring town as our very small town had few good restaurants. Oh dear. As we would... Nobby. <laughs> I mean, move somewhere else. <laughs> As we were driving back, my wife was behind the wheel. Oh, dear. Around 9 or 10 p.m. And we're both watching out for animals. It wasn't unco- uncommon to see deer, antelope and jackrabbits, which could damage our truck if they hit it. I mean, they sound very precious. We'd also often see rats, mice and prairie dogs, too. So as we're going along, all of a sudden, this small, about 18 inches tall, bipedal creature goes running out in front of us. It ran from one side of the road to the other and disappeared into the cedar trees that are typical along the main highway we were travelling. The most messed up part was that the thing was wearing clothes. It was dressed in a robe and had a pointy hat. We can't really remember the colours of the clothes, but we both agree that the hat was red. It did not look cute or friendly, more like the stuff of nightmares. Its skin was a dark brown or dark grey. Its face looked monstrous and was grimacing. I had the impression that it was very distressed and seemed to be running away from something. Or someone. It seemed oblivious to us and our truck. I looked over at my wife, who neither hit the brakes nor swerved whatsoever, and she's just looking straight ahead at the road. Oblivious bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I seriously thought I had just had a hallucination, not because I've had one before, but I can't believe what I've just saw. So I said, did you see that? To which she quietly replied, yeah. In order to confirm my own sanity, I needed to hear her say what she saw first. I then said, what did you see? She then said, like a little person with a wizard hat on. Then I said, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) I honestly wouldn't believe my own eyes and memory if she hadn't seen it too. I mean, the wife was just not bothered. No, she didn't slow down, (laughs) nothing. She was like, yeah, get out the way, bitch. She also said that if I hadn't seen it too, she would have completely shut it out of her mind and would have long forgotten it by now. In fact, I would have serious doubts if I had said what it was first. What's wrong with that woman? I mean, I think she's seeing all kinds of paranormal shit. Yeah, she's like, oh well, that's just another one of those things. She's like, there's three ghosts in the back seat of the truck, darling. We ain't worried about little wizard boy. No. They've talked about it several times since and are still dumbfounded on what it was. He's done research and it's hard to glean any information because people all around the world have claimed to see small humanoid creatures for hundreds, if not thousands Mm. of years. The variations are all over the place. 
this thing wasn't like the friendly looking garden gnomes and people ha- that people have in their yards. I hope to never see one again and sure as shit wouldn't go looking for one. My wife once described it as a little demon. Does anyone have any experience with such a thing or can point me to some information about this type of creature? I chose to call it El Duende as it seemed appropriate for our region. Ooh. I know. Cool. So, there was... I love it, but they did sound a little bit moronic, those people. <laughs> I think... I th- well, she's driving. He's been drinking. Like it, he's been I'm drinking, hasn't he? He's had a few beers. And he's like, what the fuck's that? And yeah. she's just like, I just want to get home. She's like, oh my God, you are pissed again. We've had to go out of time because you don't like any of the restaurants in our town. So I've had to drive because you're the man. So the woman has to drive all the time. She's like, go fuck your... What's, what's his name? Oh, we Dunno. don't know. Go fuck yourself, Dunno, you name. I want to go home. She's like, I don't care if I run over this wizard man. I'm going home. Are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, I'm finishing up with probably my favourite traditional myth in Spain. Yes. And that is the belief in Ratoncito Perez. Have you heard of this? No, I don't think so. This myth is also referred to as the Perez Mouse. (gasps) I have heard this, yes. And it was created by a writer back in the late 1800s for a child prince, the son of the King of Spain at the time. This is really short, but I absolutely love it. The story is about a small mouse who lived in a large box of biscuits with his entire family in the city of Madrid. They used the pipes and tunnels in the city to reach the bedrooms of children who had recently lost their teeth. This was a story very similar to that of the Tooth Fairy and has since been adapted into many novels, literature and even movies. It's the Tooth Mouse. The story goes that Ratoncito Perez would creep into the bedrooms through the pipes, take the teeth and leave a gift of some kind for the individual. And the original story was so popular that the City Council of Madrid commissioned a plaque to be made and placed in the city that states Ratoncito Perez lived there. Oh, how lush. I know. I love that it's like a little mouse rather than a fairy. Yeah. Yeah. Tooth mouse. Tooth mouse. Like ghost mouse. Squeak. Squeak. Aww. And that's all my stories. That was lovely. Aww, I thoroughly enjoyed thanks. that, Dave. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is, is it time to go? Yeah. We, I've, we, st- we still haven't um, good, done the listener story that we've got either. Oh so we'll God. have to do that next time round for sure. Okay. And if, yes, we will have to do that. We'll do it. Okay, listeners, we're wrapping this up. Once again, we apologise for the delay in between episodes. We will try as hard as possible to get it done every two weeks. Over the summer holiday, we'll try and smash out some double whammers. But if... Just bear with us. Stick around. We're not going anywhere. We just probably aren't going to be as consistent as we wanted to be, but that's fine because it's our podcast. We'd all plan out as well. 
Apocalypse. 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 Summer Apocalypse. We... <laughs> Summer Apocalypse. <laughs> so thank you for listening to Not For The Dinner Table. If you've enjoyed the episode, then why not check out some of our other episodes, such as episode 70, Tales From The Sea, episode 68, Cornish Folklore, episode 64, Medieval Hocus Pocus, Episode 102, Whale Dicks. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Episode 38, Snally Cats. Oh, I love Snally Cats. Oh, that was yeah. A good one, isn't it? And finally, Episode 35, Seafaring Folklore. Yeah. You can find links to those in the show notes. If you'd like to help NFTDT grow, then spread the word and tell a friend. And if you'd like to go one further, then please leave us a review wherever you found the podcast. You can find us on all social media platforms and links to those are in our show notes. And if you have a strange story, question or topic that you'd like us to cover, then email us on notforthedinnertable at gmail.com. The podcast is written and produced by me. And me. And our logo is created by Kaylee, and you can see more of her work at K Creates Design. Additional artwork by Jamtoon Illustrations, and you can see more of their work on Instagram at Jamtoon Illustrations. We forgot to say that the podcast was co produced by Temper Turner. <laughs> Oh, she's not here tonight. Anyway, she's slacking. <laughs> <laughs> Our music was created by the wonderful Chris Scott. And remember, yeah. everyone is welcome at our dinner table. Yeah. Except, who did we say? Ryan Eyre. Ryan Eyre. Ryan Eyre, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> to wait for an hour and a half for our bags. Yeah, No one out. said nothing. No one said nothing. No one told us what was going on, please. We're still mad about it now. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Benadorm. Thank oh, so good.